0: Welcome to another inspirational message from Dave Coop, Senior Pastor of Coastal Church in Vancouver, Canada. Hey everybody, would you please say hello to the Apostle Paul?
1: Hello everyone. Hey
0: Paul, great to see you. Welcome to Coastal. We've been looking forward to having you with us here, so huge welcome to you. Great to see you with us today. Um, Or should I be calling you Saul? No, David. Paul is fine. Okay, great. Uh, Paul, so just, you know, I kind of expect you to come out in kind of the garb of the day, but you're, you're dressed pretty modern, uh, just maybe, well, I was surprised.
1: I like to uh, dress for the time, I like to dress uh, in a way that's all things to all people, and actually there's a story that I wrote, I was with a group of lawyers, and I dressed like a bunch of lawyer, like a lawyer, and it worked very well for me, you might have read that, actually it was in a letter, my first letter to the church at Corinth. And uh, it's a great read. You should check it out, David. Yeah, you know, I, I did. I, I read it. I, I found it, actually found it in here. It got published. Yeah, it got published. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Did it? I mean, how's it selling? Well, you might say it sold okay, a few few billion copies or so. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine. Yeah, that's amazing. It's great that's job, great. by the way. I knew
0: it. Uh, yeah, it was. It was. It's a great. We're still reading it. We're still <laughs> studying it, Paul. It's been amazing. Uh, you know, thinking of uh, all things to all people. One of the stories that I really like that your friend Dr. Luke wrote about in the book of Acts. Mm-hmm. Um, he kind of documented all that stuff. And, and he writes in there how you went to Greece, all your missionary travels. you did all mm. those different missions trips. Mm-hmm. And, boy, we like reading about it. Mm-hmm. But one story, it was Greece. And you went to Athens. And you were you were explaining there on Mars Hill about the unknown God and so forth. And uh, mm-hmm. tell me about your trip there. I, I love to spend. We only got a few minutes here this morning. I know right. you're on a tight schedule, and just got a few minutes. And when yes, we get indeed. to heaven, we'll have a long talk. But for this I morning's sake, you know, I'm just curious if you could just tell me more about about uh, Mars Hill and what you experienced there, Paul.
1: I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Are you done? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> I'm just excited, you only Paul. I'm a few sorry. Yeah. yeah. Okay. No, Mars Hill was an amazing experience for me. Actually, I grew up studying. Uh, Greek culture, so it was very interesting for me to get there. I was waiting for some of the disciples uh, in Athens. I started to walk around the streets, and it's in a magnificent city. Of course, the architecture and everything they've done there is just on a grand scale. But I did notice one thing, and I noticed that there were certain idols and certain stone figures that were attributed to different gods like Zeus and Hmm. and Athena. And I thought, this is strange. This is all wrong. And I thought these people were obviously on a search for truth. And so I thought it was a great opportunity to try to start talking to people. So to make a long story short, I was in city squares. I went to the synagogues. I would talk to people, old, young children. Uh, some of the, the leaders of the society, and I would tell them, I would say, Jesus is a man who lived, and he died for you, and he's the son of God, and he came to forgive you of your sins, and they were very receptive. Of course, that center was the center of philosophy and rhetoric, all kinds of new thoughts were, were sort of coming from Athens. And okay. so I found that this was a really great opportunity to reach people. The, the altar to the unknown God seemed really strange, though, because it was to who? The unknown God. So I kind of knew that they were, they were primed for, for the truth. Wow. But, you know, we kind of have the
0: same thing here today because we've got lots of different religions and people look for all that stuff. And they, yet they feel like there's something else. I'm missing something. So, you know, mm-hmm. I think what you said then, man, it still works, still applies so much to today. Uh, one of the chapters that I liked in Acts was Acts 9. It talks about how you experience Christ on the road to Damascus. Mm. What were you up to? Where were you going? What do you experience? Like, I know we could take all morning on that one, but yeah. just give us a little recap, a little taste of what happened to you there.
1: I was on the road to Damascus. The high priest had commissioned me to go to Damascus to collect Christians, to bring them back, to arrest them to, so they could be persecuted. I uh, was with some friends. We were traveling along, and all of a sudden, a bright light shone out of the sky. It was blinding. We hmm. fell to the ground, and I couldn't see. And, 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 and I heard a voice, Saul. So why do you persecute me? And I said, Who are you, Lord? And he says, I am Jesus, whom you persecute. And it was at that very moment, because of the event of being blinded, being thrown down to the ground, that I just knew that Jesus and everything the disciples had been saying was true. And that I needed wow. to follow Jesus. And he spoke to me about continuing on to Damascus. So I was led by hand, blinded. And and and, and Ananias, that one of the disciples, came and laid his hands on me, and I was my sight was opened. And I was able to start to realize how wrong I was, and how I needed to change, and how God had spoken a specific commission for me to go and to preach the gospel, the good news to all of the Gentiles, uh, uh, as well as the Jews. And so that's what I proceeded to do. It was an amazing experience, and that was the culmination of my turnaround and my acceptance of Christ. And that's where your, your name got changed from Saul to Paul was in right. that time period. right. Wow. To
0: me, it's just a great picture of really what you wrote about later, about becoming a a new person. Um, Another amazing, well, all of it's amazing. When I read about it, and I go through your life story, and I, I, I don't pretend to understand all of it, Paul, but you had an incredible life. In some ways, it looks like pretty adventuresome. You get you know, let down on a wall in a basket, <laughs> you're, you're, you're shipwrecked, you're, you're uh, you know, you land on this little island, and the snake comes out to bite you, and you shake it off, and, you're, and you see miracles happening, you're in jail, out of jail, in jail, out of jail, you're peeled to Caesar, I mean, you talk about a life of adventure, I read this, I mean, something's got to be driving this guy to do this, because you wouldn't just do that for the sake of adventure, Paul, what, what drove you to do this? You, you, you left a very educated position to do this.
1: David, have you ever murdered somebody? No. Have you ever taken the life of a Christian? No. Somebody who professes Christ as their Lord and Savior? Have you ever watched as the last breath of air escapes them? No. Well, I have okay. many times. And it was because of that... Which I was forgiven. Wow! That creates the passion to go and obey what God had told me how wrong I was and hmm. how I needed to change. There is nothing too big for God. There's nothing that God cannot forgive. So the passion in me is because of that. Because God gave me a second chance. He gave me an opportunity to not be not be uh, a casualty of what I did. It's Christ. And that's what drove me. And it didn't matter if I was bitten by a snake or shipwrecked. Hmm. I told him not to go on that ship. (laughs) It It didn't matter if there was an earthquake and I was in jail because God works things out miraculously. It's his way. It's not my way. It's the lesson that I learned. Wow. Paul, your letters are so packed.
0: I mean you wrote about two thirds of the New Testament. That's what we got in here, about two thirds of your writings, and then of course you you traveled a lot of the then known world. Today for us here at Coastal, what I mean, what's one truth or one key you think we should we talk about for the next half hour or so? What's mm-hmm. one truth you think that we should be mm-hmm.
1: focusing in on it? I know. You know, okay. It's the secret that was revealed. What I mean is Christ in you. Think about it, David. For all of the time prior, it was something people looked forward to, the revelation of Christ. We live in a time when Christ has been revealed. The secret is now no longer a secret. Christ is in us. He's not in some graven image that we Hmm. worship. He is not a God far away. And he comes to say, I forgive you. He comes to give you everything that you need to be changed. Everything you need to go out and to be responsible to talk to others so they can be changed, so they can be saved from the darkness. That's really what you should talk about. That's the essence of the message is, is Christ revealed, the mystery revealed, and he's right here. Like, like you talked about in your letter to Colossians. Yes, Colossians. Okay.
0: Well, you know, we'll, we'll do that. We'll pick it up right there. And we'll, we'll get into it this morning. Paul, I know you're on a busy schedule, and I don't know how you got here, but I'm really glad you did. And uh, we just want to thank you for taking time, slipping in this morning, and uh, all the best in your travels. And uh, we we'll look forward to seeing you. Hey, when thank get you there, very much, them. David. So, so good to you. have you, there. Thank man. you very much. Thank, thank you, Paul. Okay. God bless you all. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Paul. Well, there, there you have it, folks. It was really a treat this morning to have. The Apostle Paul with us. And I, I hope this morning, as you as you head off and go home this week, that you would go to Acts chapter 9 and read about Paul's experience of how he gave us life to the Lord there. It's a really good read. Uh, go to Acts chapter 27, 28, and in those chapters you can read about his mission trip, how he goes to this island and gets stranded there. You read about how a snake comes out of the woods. They're picking up some wood for fire. a fire. snake comes up and bites him. He shakes it off. They think he's going to die. Uh, and it turns out that he doesn't die. God supernaturally protects him. And then he thinks that he's a god. He's no, I'm not a god. He ends up healing the father, the leader of that island. It's an amazing read. Uh, so as, as you go home this week and you're doing your devotions, go through the book of Acts and just read it like a book. Read it like a novel and read about Paul, his experiences, his travels. You'll find it really encouraging. Well, he told us today to go to Colossians chapter 1. So why don't we do that? Let's go to Colossians chapter 1. If you have your Bibles... Turn it open there. Would you say with me this morning, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, for the book of Colossians. We're glad we've got it. We're glad that the Lord gave that to us. And our message this morning is Paul uncovered the secret of the ages. So we'll talk about the secret that Paul had mentioned. Now, there was a book that came out not too long ago called The Secret, and it sold a lot of copies. It sold millions of copies. It had a lot of interest in it. The gist of that book was that if you'll just think the right way, you can change your world, and you have untapped inner power, and if you will tap into your power on the inside, you can have joy in every area of your life. Now, there's a thread of truth that runs through it that the way you think is important. But I'm talking about something much greater today than your untapped power. I am talking about the power of the universe, Jesus who created the universe, God Almighty, how he comes and he lives and he dwells inside of us. Folks, this is a message that we have to understand. Paul was passionate about it. He traveled the world. He suffered shipwreck. He suffered beatings. He he went to prison for it. He ended up dying for it at the end of his life. History tells us that he was beheaded for this. He wasn't crucified like the others disciples because he was, besides a Jew, he was a Roman citizen, and he had some privileges, and he would use those privileges, and in all likelihood that's the way he died, a martyr for what he believed in. He was passionate about it. This morning, we just want to get into it a little bit, hopefully understand it better. You may have read this before. You may have seen these scriptures before, and I hope you don't tune out because you've read it before. This is something that we have to keep going back to, digesting, and understanding. It is our identities, who we are as believers. It's our DNA, if you like. It's our, our, you have a social security number. This is who you are. This is your identity. Your identity is more than where you work, your identity is more than who your parents are. Your identity really is found in your relationship with the Father through Christ. So, number one, there in your notes. The Apostle Paul wanted us to discover the secret that was hidden for us, not from us. Now, last week was Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, we like to call it. It was Resurrection Sunday. And uh, after all the services were over and after all the formalities, we had a family gathering yet that afternoon. And then when everybody was gone and it was later at night, we, we hid the, the Easter eggs. You know, we, we still care that all our kids are older, but we still, they still want us to hide the Easter eggs, and so we, it's fun, you know, we, we've done it since they were kids, and we, so it's my job always to do the hiding, and I've got to go hide them. Every year, I try to make it a little bit harder, and so I went and hid the different Easter eggs, and, and uh, they, they go out there, and they say, okay, Dad, and even in their 20s, they're saying, come on, Dad, tell me if I'm hot or cold or warm. At least tell me where I'm at, and you know, I, know I want them to find it. It's hidden, but I want them to find it. So I'll say, hotter, hotter, colder, colder, colder. And last week, I won't say which child it was, but standing right over, I say, you're hot, you're burning. Look, look, come on, find that thing. I wanted them to find it. And of course, they find it. That's the way God is with us. He doesn't hide it from us. He hides it for us. He wants us to discover this truth. Paul wrote these letters so we could discover it. Folks, this is it. This is it. Paul got on that Mars seal and he said, you got all these other gods. got all this, all this stuff that's being worshipped. I want to talk to you about this unknown God that inwardly you're looking for. Let me explain it to you because if you get this, you got it. This is the secret. This is the mystery hidden from the ages. In the Old Testament, there's different types and shadows that would help them get a glimpse of it. But they really didn't understand it clearly until after the cross and... After, especially Paul and the other disciples explained it. We get to, of course, look back from our vantage point, it makes a lot of sense to us. But then they didn't really get it. Today we get to have it. It's Paul said it's been revealed to us. In other words, we can understand this. This is a child can understand it, anybody can understand this. But you gotta kind of focus, stay tuned, and be hungry for it. And then it happens. This revelation hits our spirit. Really, it's a holy secret. It's spiritually received, not intellectually received. It's spiritually caught, spiritually received, spiritually given, spiritually caught. So listen with your hearts this morning as we go into it. You have the verse there, Colossians chapter 1, 26 and 27. This message was kept secret. Another translation says this mystery for centuries and generations past, but now it has been revealed to his own holy people. That's you. It's been revealed to us here at Coastal Church. For it has pleased God to tell his people that the riches and the glory of Christ are for you, Gentiles. Would you look at your neighbor and just say, this is for you? Just in case they weren't sure, this is for you. This is revealed for you. This is the secret. It's underlined. It's even in bold letters in your handout. For this is the secret. Distill it. Boil it down. What is this thing all about? It is Christ lives in you, and this is your assurance that you will share in His glory. The fact that Christ comes to lives in you, that's, that's the meat of this thing. That's the truth. That's the secret that we want to embrace. Now as people, you know what we tend to do? We tend to want to work it out. We tend to want to do achievements. We tend to want to get that by. I want to earn something. I want to earn my relationship with God. Our relationship with God is not earned. It's given to us through what Christ did. We could never do enough things to earn it. It's been given to us so we can enjoy this and have this amazing relationship with the Father again. Galatians 2 verse 20 tells us this. uh, The New Living Testament reads, I myself no longer live, but Christ lives in me. So I live my life in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Isn't it great that God lives within us? Now, when he, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit given to you really is a down payment of better things. When I accepted the Lord and He came into my life, my spirit was made new, but my body didn't change. Now, sometimes I wish it could change, Uh, we spend a lot of money trying to fix up our bodies and keep them looking young, you know? We do a little bit of Botox, we do some implants, we do this, we do that. We do anything just to keep our bodies looking young. But folks, I got news for you. It's going to wear out no matter what you do to it. Eventually, it's going to wear out. But your spirit won't wear out. It stays new. It's, It's where God lives. He lives and dwells. He becomes one with our spirit. Wow. This is a man who's selling a warehouse, and he's got pretty run down, and it's got windows that are broken, it's got paint peeling off of it, the roof's leaking, and he has somebody come by to look at it, to purchase it, and he says to the guy who wants to buy it, he says, you know what, it's a little rough shape, but we'll we'll fix the windows, we'll put fresh paint on it, we'll fix the roof, and uh, we'll get it all fixed up for you, we'll renovate it, we'll redecorate it, it'll it'll look as good as new, and uh, I'm sure you're going to like it. And the guy says, you know what? Don't do any of that. Forget it. Don't fix the windows. Don't repaint it. Don't do any of that stuff. I'm not interested in the building. I want the site. I want the site. I'm going to build something new on the site, brand new. And I, the other, It's going to be gone. It's going to go, but I'm putting something new on the site. When God comes into our life, he wants the site, not the building, because he's going to do something new in our heart. Look at this verse. It's in your notes there, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any person, that would be us, because we're any person, right? If any person is engrafted in Christ, the Messiah, he's a new creation, a new creature altogether. Another translation says, a new species of being. The old previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and the new has come. What's the real you? The real you is your spirit. And when Jesus comes into your life, And you make that decision, say, I will accept, Lord, what you've done for me. When he comes into your spirit, I don't know how it happens. It's kind of like a spiritual metamorphosis where you have, remember the caterpillar that becomes a butterfly? You say, what a wonder that is. It was a caterpillar, this fuzzy little thing that crawled along the ground. And now it's this butterfly. It goes from two dimensions to three dimensions. It has a brand new life. That's you. You have a brand new life in him. I don't know if you collected caterpillars. I collected caterpillars. I loved caterpillars. I'd go looking for them, you know, in spring, especially the orange and the black ones. You find orange and black ones? I look for the orange and black ones. I'd go look for orange and black caterpillars. And I'd, I'd get a little jar from my mom. i go down. She had a big pantry. We, we, we canned everything. My mom canned, I mean, she canned everything from corn to pickles, pig's feet. We canned everything. <laughs> Seriously. Our, we, we were farmers. We canned it all. And... Uh, so I would go down and take one of her cans. And she was very, you know, very careful which can she gave me and which jar she gave me. I couldn't take the ones with the special lids and the rubber sealers. I had to take the ones that were, you know, that were just recycled. I'd take one of her cans. I'd put a little grass in there. And I'd go collect these caterpillars, put them in there with the grass. And my mom taught me to, they're all dying. She says, well, you've got to put some air in it. You've got to put some holes in the top. So I took a screwdriver, punched some holes in the lid. And I, I would wait for that caterpillar to turn into a butterfly. Never did turn into a butterfly. They all die. But anyhow, <laughs> so much for my experiment. But then I went on YouTube, how many years later, and I, I saw it on YouTube. I saw, you know, and in, in speeded up uh, the, the, the time lapse, and here's this uh, cocoon, and all of a sudden, out of it comes a butterfly. And that was our life. We were like caterpillars, very selfish. Caterpillars just crawl around and suck the life out of everything they can find and uh, that's a selfish sucking in the life, whatever we could get it. <laughs> and then Jesus comes into our life, and we get wings, and it's, it's a new life. I know the analogy is not all that theologically sound, but you get the picture. <laughs> trying to help us understand the truth this morning. <laughs> in our spirit, something happens. In your spirit. When you say, Lord, come into my life, you become one with him. Paul wrote about that in 1 Corinthians 6. He said, verse 17, but the person who is joined to the Lord, look at this carefully, becomes one spirit with him. In the Old Testament, in the Psalms, there's this little phrase between the paragraph, Selah, which meant pause and think about it. That's a Selah. That's an aha moment. Pause and think about it. I have become one with him. Jesus prayed that. He said, may they be one, even as I am one with you. May we be one with them. He said to Mary Magdalene, I go to your father and my father. I go to your God and my God. We became one with Jesus. Now that's a revelation that needs to grow in our hearts. Remember when Peter and John were going up to pray one day. And they come across a guy who's been lame for years and years. And Peter reaches down to him. The guy to ask for some alms. He got arms, he got legs instead. That's a bad joke. It's okay. <laughs> he asked for alms, he got legs instead. He asked for money and. <laughs> <laughs> I told you it was bad. <laughs> Anyhow. <laughs> Peter reaches out and he says, You know, I don't have silver and gold, but what I do have, I'll give you. What I do have, I'll give you. What, have, give you. what did he have? I'll tell you what he had. The same thing we need to have. We need to have a revelation of what we have. Christ in us, the hope of glory. That's why Paul was so passionate about it. Have this revelation. You are one with Christ. He lives in you. He reaches down and says, I don't have it. what I do have, I give in the name of our Lord Jesus. Rise up and be healed. And something went out of him. Something left him. Virtue. The same virtue that left Jesus' hem of his garment and that woman was healed. Virtue. Something left him. His spirit, the life of Christ is in you. We've got a world that's searching for something, whether it be through the secret book, whether it be through this or that. They're looking to experience a supernatural power, and we have it. Christ living in us, the hope of glory. We become one with Him. Jesus did not just die for us. He did. He didn't just give His life for us. Folks, He gave His life to you. It's a miracle. The greatest miracle, I love it when somebody gets healed. I love it when somebody's been tormented by their mind with evil spirits and they're set free. We love it when God provides supernaturally. But folks, the greatest, greatest, greatest miracle of all is when somebody becomes new on the inside and they are born again. They become a new person. And from the inside out, there's this amazing change in their life. That's the greatest miracle of all is to be new in Christ. Something happens. We become one with him. There's a, it's like a catalytic reaction in the spiritual realm, and you are galvanized. You become one with God, and it can't be separated. My dad's name was Henry, Henry Coop. In my skin, I got Henry Coop. In my ears, I got Henry Coop. I got his hairstyle. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> I, <laughs> I got his DNA in me. Let me ask you today. Can you get his DNA? Can you separate his DNA out of me? No. I'm one with him through that. Now, as much as I was born of Henry, I'm also born of God. He said, you must be born again. Spiritually, I was reborn. In my spirit, I was born again. The life, the nature of God got infused into my spirit. And you cannot remove that DNA out of my spirit any more than you can take the DNA of my father out of my skin. I am one with him. That's why this revelation that Paul spoke on is something that we have to meditate on. I am one with him. Build your faith on that truth. And then when you go to minister, you go to speak, or you go to pray, or you go to live your life, that life oozes out of you, out of your heart. Your spirit will flow rivers of the living water. What's the source of the living water? What Paul said, the mystery. Christ in you, the hope of glory. If anyone's in Christ, you are in him. You are a new person. Paul's old life passed away. How many of you are glad here this morning your old life passed away? Man, I did some dumb stuff. And I'm glad most people have forgotten about it. I'm glad God wrote it off, and it's in the sea of forgetfulness, His blood has covered it. Because I did some things that every once in a while the enemy would come along and say, "Remember what you did back then? You did this, you did that. And I have to stand up and say, "You know what? I am a new person. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. That guy's dead. He's dead. I'm a new person. You're talking the wrong guy." I, my spirit has been reborn. I am a new person. And I celebrate it when I got baptized. Thank you very much. Yeah. That's what happens at baptism. We celebrate the fact that that old person's dead. I'm now a new person. I have a new nature. I want to live differently. Still working it out. Don't have it all figured out. I'm not perfect every day of my life. I've got weaknesses just like you do. But we have this new nature on the inside of us. We're a new person in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. Everything's become new. Jesus, point number three, brings us back to what was lost in the Garden of Eden, a living relationship with God the Father. We lost that in the Garden. In the Garden of Eden, you remember the story? God said to Adam and Eve, you know, I got a great garden for you here. It's amazing. Look at all these trees and animals and what a paradise to live in. But God says, here's the deal. There's a tree that you cannot eat of. It. It's a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Everything else you can have, but don't eat there. He says, if they you eat of that, you'll surely die. Well, they go and they eat of it. You know the story. Now, they don't die physically. Their body stays alive. But spiritually, they died. And they were banished from the garden. There was a disconnect. Who did they disconnect with? They disconnected with the Father. They used to walk with God, talk with God. Remember, he talked within the cool of the garden. They They were connected. Spiritually, they were one. But something happened. They died. They spiritually died. There was this disconnect. That was the first Adam. The first Adam took him out of the garden. The second Adam, Paul said, Jesus is like the second Adam. He takes us back into the garden. And what does he do? He connects us again. And we become one with the Father again. Christianity is not rules and codes and all the rest of it. Christianity primarily is a relationship. It's Jesus coming into our spirits, living within us, and reconnecting us with the Father. That we can have what was lost in the garden. Now Paul hits us on the nail, on the head. Hit the nail here in Titus 3, 4, and 5. Look at this verse with me. It's in your notes. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done. Let's hammer that point home again. We, this doesn't You can't earn this. This is given to us, not based on our right deeds, but based on the righteousness of Christ. It's given to us. It was given to us according to His mercy. He saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. That word regeneration is a very interesting word here. It's only twice in the New Testament. It's a Greek word, and if you break it down. It's really two words: palin and genesis. Palin means back to, or once again, and genesis means birth or the original state. Paul will say, when we are, when Christ comes to live within us, He takes us back. To the original state. He takes us back to Genesis. He takes us back to what we lost in the garden. How cool is that? Some of you look at me like a dog at a new dish. Like, what is this? This is it. So, what's the, how do you summarize Christianity? You summarize it that God brought us back to what was lost and He makes us one with Him through Christ. That's where the life is. I abide in the vine and he abides in me. We used to sing that song, my life is in you, Lord. We are are hidden in Christ. That That phrase, in Christ, if any man be in Christ, he's a new person in Christ. It's over 130 times or about 130 times, depending on which translation you read. But it's about 130 times in the New Testament. In Christ, in Christ, in Christ. We are in Christ. If I am in a circle... I can step out of the circle. But if I was in a ball, in a sphere, I couldn't step out of it because I am in that ball. You are, Paul said in Colossians as well, he said, you are hidden in Christ. You are in Christ. That's a good place to be. It's a very safe place to be. A picture of in the Old Testament is the ark. Remember Noah and the ark? Builds the ark. God says to Noah, take your family into the ark, judgment is coming. And the ark is a picture of Christ. The ark took the punishment of the water. The Bible says that Jesus became sin. He took the punishment for us. Where were we? We were in Christ. We're there. The pitch was all around the ark to protect it from the judgment waters. That pitch is symbolic of the blood of Jesus that protects us that we don't get punished for our sins. You've got to be glad about that. Because why? We are in Christ. How many doors into the ark? One door. If I built the ark, I'd probably have five on each side. Let's clear up the bottleneck. Let's get those animals in there quicker. But there was one door. Why? Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So there was symbolism in that. The ark happened to land on Mount Ararat on the seventh month, 17th day of that month, You can read, you can read, I think it's in Genesis 8. It says that the ark came to rest on Mount Ararat in the seventh month on the seventeenth day. Why would the Bible tell us what day of the month? Who cares what day of the month the ark came to rest? But if you study it out and you go through the scriptures, you'll find out that day is mentioned seven times in scripture. And one of the times is when Christ was raised from the dead. Same day. Hello. Very supernatural. We're in Christ the same day. Christ gives us this opportunity to be in him through what he did on the cross. It's the same day the boat landed on Mount Ararat. I don't think Noah said, you know what? I think this day Jesus is going to be raised from there. We may to make sure we get this boat landed here right on time. Seventh month, 17th day. No, God was in control. God is in control. One way in. But you have to go into Christ. You can stand at that door and say, man, that's a nice door. Any other doors? You can walk around the ark and walk around the ark. Any other doors? And you can admire it. You can look at it. You can do all those things. But at the end of the day, you have to go through the door to be in Christ. And if you want to have this relationship with Christ, we must go into that. We must have this relationship with him. Regeneration, again, means to be... Uh, come back to the original state. When I gave my life to the Lord Jesus Christ, I became a new regenerated person in Christ. When I gave my life to the Lord Jesus Christ, my hands became new. I don't touch the things I used to touch. My feet became new. I don't walk where I used to walk. My eyes became new. I don't look at the things I used to look at. My ears became new. I don't listen to the things I used to listen to. My tongue became new. I don't talk the way I used to. My mind became new. I don't think about what I used to think about. In other words, as I become one with him, this life begins to flow through me, and I really am a new person. The old life has passed away. Everything has become new. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to download free notes from this message
1: or find out more information about Pastor Dave Coop, then we invite you to visit our website at www.coastalchurch.org.